Hey everybody, this is Basil, the Basil, the one you're expecting, but I'm giving you a little disclaimer here at the top, which you should be used to by now. We do a lot of disclaimers <laughs> for some reason. We have to do that now, but I'm just letting you know I was on location somewhere else when we recorded this and I didn't have my big fancy diamond studded NASA headset uh, when we recorded. So I'm on kind of a piece of junk headset. So there might be a couple of times where I sound a little fuzzy or sound a little muffled. It's not my fault. It's technology. <laughs> All right? Okay, so here we go. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Those who maintain that the Earth is a globe that spins suggest that people standing at the equator are being whirled around at approximately 1,000 miles an hour. They further maintain that the Earth is spinning around the Sun at a speed of 67,000 miles per hour, and that our Sun is supposedly racing around the center of our galaxy at some 600,000 miles per hour. And yet, you and I both know that on many days, it's possible to stand outside without a single hair being messed up by the breeze. We don't have time for a meeting of the Flat Earth Society. We used to call the word world, world, like globe. I saw that like in the past like 30 years how we went slowly. Maybe you're too young, but let me tell you. I saw them like slowly go from people all over the world, many world leaders, leaders from all over the world got together. This is a worldly phenomenon. This is the world. Uh, I, I saw them go from the word world slowly, inch by inch, just inserting it every once in a while. So now it's just always the word globe. Notice that? It's not worldwide distribution. It's global distribution. It's global leaders. People all over the world, across the world, to people around the globe. We're now showing you a view of the Earth to the telephone on land. Okay, uh, we're not uh, receiving a picture right now. How about now? Okay, we don't have a picture yet. You see anything at all, Houston? Okay, Paul, wait, uh, we don't have a picture yet. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 089. 89. And our motto here has always been to think outside the cage, and that might be literal with this episode. Uh, there's an old Incubus song called Wish You Were Here, and the lyrics go something like this. The sky resembles a backlit canopy with holes punched in it. Well, that might not be too far from the truth, according to our guest today. Uh, the first thing we're taught in school is that one plus one equals two and that the earth is a globe. But what if, just what if, this entire enterprise was a sham? The biggest conspiracy to ever behold humanity. In this episode, we will explore the impossible, the unfathomable, the ridiculous notion 
that the earth is actually flat. <laughs> Our guest is Mark Sargent. He's the champion of the first pinball world tournament in 1994 and has worked in the technology sector ever since. Uh, he also happens to be a newly convert to the flat earth or enclosed world theory. His YouTube channel, Mark K. Sargent, has published a series of videos called Flat Earth Clues, which he describes as videos designed to get both our heads around the design of the flat earth system that we live in and who has been involved in the deception to hide it from you. So we'd like to welcome Oof. Mark Sargent. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. The guns, I just got to make a comment. Those intros are just getting longer and longer <laughs> and longer as we go. Eventually, it's that just going to be me doing an intro. That's going to be the whole show. show. No, that's that. That's nothing. I've had like uh, on some shows, I've had like literally a 20 minute intro where they're actually doing more of my material than I am. And then finally I get in. It's like, okay, what do you want me to, what do you want me to say? You really got to get into the deep stuff. But by the way, the, the term uh, flat earth theory and the other term enclosed world, yeah. you know, Let's just go with enclosed world. Yeah, you know, it sounds I, a lot more uh, legit. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, flat Earth. Uh, everybody knows. Everybody's conditioned that the term flat Earth, you know, is synonymous with crazy, with, with, with scientific insane. backwardness. Yeah, absolutely, with archaic religious belief. Mm -hmm. And uh, I disagree wholeheartedly, but I understand the, the the visceral visceral response that some people have to it. So I, yeah, I have been pushing enclosed world, and actually, quite a few of the flat Earthers. <laughs> have been saying you know flat you should go you earth. should go with yeah you should go with enclosed world because you're not a true flat earther and i was like all right fine, fine. Well, <laughs> you you are getting uh criticism from true flat earthers <laughs> that is they don't i know they don't even want you on their team it's Come so on, i know you you would <laughs> think that because because i don't follow what what in the purest term is uh of what a flat earth is you know like flat is a coin which, yeah. which I disagree somewhat with. And, uh, you know, a few things about the moon and gravity. And, uh, and they said, well, you're not a true flat earther. And it's like, fine, fine. Either way, it's not a globe. So what, why are we arguing? Yeah. <laughs> but, but they, they keep going. So yeah, in fact, I'm going to be making an anti, uh, an anti shill interview video here real soon. That'll <laughs> yes. probably be to your benefit. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, before we really get started and get into some of the, the crazy stuff. Um, can we yeah, just address that you sound like you're 20? How old are you? I am 46. Uh, in wow. fact, soon to be 47. And uh, thank you for, for you know, yeah. saying that I sound young. But you have like the most beautiful, like young <laughs> voice that we've ever had on the show. And maybe it's just because we spend most of our time talking to like, seasoned gentleman <laughs> there you go. um but you're definitely one of the youngest voices so that'll be fun that'll nice. be fun guys thank you okay so let's let's just start um i have this question here that i have been actually working on uh for a few days let me just pull it up here um, <laughs> you've been working on a question for a yeah, few days yeah. hold on hold on here we go all okay. right all right just i like it. i like that you're pulling stuff out of the blue yeah here we go are you ready okay okay what? Is this a game show? That's it. Just what the heck are you talking about? So we have an enclosed earth. Give everybody an intro here. And oh, yeah. You know, yeah. this has been kind of a, like, a, 
at least for me, it's been a recent phenomenon. Like that's come up like kind of a, I don't know. 2015. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we wouldn't be talking about this last year. Not, not at all. Okay. In fact, all right. everybody, everybody that's interviewed me has said the same thing. If you would have a lot talk- of buzz right yeah. now. 2015, for whatever reason, uh, there's this this topic is getting a lot of traction, and uh, everybody said the same thing. It's like you know, I can't believe we're actually talking about this, and and I'm the same way. Nine months ago is when I really started digging into this. Yeah, um, going through videos mostly, and then literally, I'm not kidding you. Eight weeks ago, <laughs> I went all in and decided to make some videos. You know, I woke up you know, in the middle of the night with this clarity, you know, that Jerry Maguire moment and said, you know, there's, there's something to this. There's, there's really something to this, to the point where, um, you know, the people that were had stuff out there, I mean, it was, it was okay stuff, but I felt it was a little staticky and really all I did was turn the dial on the radio and, you know, everybody started losing their mind. It's like, what, what, what is, what is this music? So, but the short version, yeah, for, for those of you who haven't, you know, I haven't bothered to go to YouTube by now and, and click on Flat Earth Clubs or at this point just Google Flat Earth Clubs and the whole thing explodes. Uh, it, it goes under the assumption that the model that was introduced to us as the globe 500 years ago, you know, roughly, you know, depending on when you want to you know, take that in, uh, was artificially put in there you know that that are the first 4500 years of our history in every religion every culture every tribe everything everyone believed that the world was a flattish surface that was enclosed by this giant canopy and where you saw the stars and and the planets which were really just a, a very very well rendered art image and that the sun and the moon were much smaller and hovering above our earth it was a giant truman show simulation yeah and then 500 years ago that changed uh, the the scientific community and and whether or not it was you know artificially put in by a higher power or you know the the, you know, the creator the builders whoever both science and religion latched on to this and they kept it going you know the the globe model was introduced and for twenty generations that's what we taught people but there was a problem there and the problem was there was literally no technology to prove it. Yeah. Uh, you know, hot, hot air balloons to carry people didn't come along until 1760. Planes didn't come along until 1900. That's 400 years after, you know, the globe model was introduced. Uh, and planes still couldn't fly, you know, into higher enough atmospheres. I mean, we're still advancing plane technology, but the rocket program didn't come along until 1957. And then after that, you know, the, the question is, okay, let's say you go up there. You know, NASA was formed in 1958. Let's say you go up there and the Earth isn't exactly what it looks, what you think it looks like, you know, what you've been putting in classrooms, you know, for, for generation after generation. Would you tell people? And so that's when I really started digging into it. And, and the, some of the first things, I, you know, I looked at the timeline going from, you know, Copernicus all the way forward. I looked at government uh, activities. But what I really started looking at was, excuse me, how the world really changed starting from like 1956 to the present, uh, where everybody in the, in the, in, in all government world governments started acting really, really strange after 1956. And by the time I was done, the globe model for me was, um, it was obvious for me, it was absolutely not a globe. Now how flat it was and exactly what shape it was, you know, cause you know, even, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson comes out and says, Oh, it's an oblate spheroid or it's pear shaped or whatever. I, I'll even take it, you know, and, and the one, you know, some people say, well, it's kind of like a wadded up piece of chewing gum, but for me, it's somewhat where in between, but it begs the question, 
why is every image that we see of the Earth, whether a composite or a NASA image, and there's so very few, why are they always perfect spheres if they're not? And uh, again, once I kept digging into it deeper and deeper, it just got to the point where it's like, yeah, it, it feels way more, everything pointed more towards a, a giant under the dome Truman Show enclosed world right. than it did a globe model. Right, okay. yeah. So there's a lot of ways to look at this and i'm sure a lot of evidence or clues i guess as they keep being called but can we just take this slow sure because sure, I, I know i just gave you like a a big overview but yeah you know, yeah i want to dig into this if you want to drill down so i mean i just want to know let's start with the very basic clue or the basic piece of evidence gons are you okay with that i know you're you're a little bit more studied up but for me and the rest of the people on the planet we we need to start from the beginning yeah that, that's fine I, let me let me just interject and say that you know before we get into all of it that i spent you know an afternoon watching the flat earth clues videos and you know i can't say that i'm like totally convinced but i'd be lying if i didn't admit that it put a rock in my shoe you know i walked <laughs> outside right afterwards to walk my dogs and i kind of looked around like uh, how do we really know you know what we're told so yeah. uh, that's kind of the goal i think with this episode for our listeners so but go ahead basil go ahead and um take it to where you want to uh i had planned to go through each of the clues but um, we can we can do that because the going through an order would actually probably help okay, okay. I, i'm gonna go ahead and let basil jump in and then we can we can go there i have it all outlined so yeah because i am the the clueless one here so <laughs> let's so let's start from the very beginning okay and let's let's convince me okay from the very beginning uh one of the first things i looked at was uh you know and, and i hate to hate to point the fingers too much at nasa here because you know nasa in fact they came actually came on the on the radio on, on one of my interviews previously i, heard that. I did yeah, hear that. it's like wow that was spooky and i was i was sad i had just you know i had just been off air and they were continuing on anyway but what the the first clue that I dealt with was uh, really you know other than the introduction I asked some very very basic questions and one of the first questions I had was why are there no pictures of the Earth from space you know I was I was trying to basically create the doubt of what you know the what you see is not really what you see because everybody when I ask them you know I say okay how do you know the Earth is round and everybody comes up with that knee jerk response which is well we know. Duh, you're an idiot. You know, it, it, why would you ever think it's it's not round? I go, okay, other than you know, you know, like, you know, fire burns and you know there's gravity, how do you know that the earth is is um, a sphere? And I go, and, I, and then they say, well, we've got the picture. And, you know, NASA took the picture. I go, okay, can you tell me how the earth is a sphere without using the word NASA? Because if you Google, you know, the earth from space, you know, and you can do this right now, you will find just rows and rows and rows of composite images and if you go back not very far at all 10 years maybe 12 years those composite images weren't even there the only thing you saw why don't you explain what a composite image is got it uh, a composite image would be uh, like, for example, if Google Maps, if you use like Google Street View, you have those cars that drive around neighborhoods and they take pictures of uh, every street and then they layer them together in a composite so that when you pull out uh, you'll see the street. And if you pull out farther, well, they have planes that also fly uh, over neighborhoods and they take pictures of uh, areas in strips. 
And, uh, you know, the same thing, you know, you could use commercial airliners, you know, spy planes, but a composite image is literally just pieces of a jigsaw puzzle put together to make it look like a whole. So the earth, when you go into Google Earth, you're not actually looking at a picture of the earth. You are looking at a series of composite images. Uh, it is, it is not literally a picture of the earth, which, which was really one of the big selling points when I started this thing was there's no, actual pictures of the earth the only picture of the earth on the internet the actual you know the one that nasa put their stamp on and said this is a picture of the earth uh didn't there was only one that was out there that they took in supposedly 19 either 1969 or 1972 depending on when when you think that thing was stamped and literally that was the only image of the earth from space and you'll know which one i'm talking about because it shows it's a real cloudy earth it shows the bottom part of africa and a big crescent cloud system below africa and then all of antarctica Literally, that was the only image of the Earth on the internet all the way through, I believe, like 2004, maybe 2003. I'm still trying to, you know, look at the archives. But when I was looking back in 2000, when I was trying to put it, use it as a desktop, that was the only image I could find. In fact, the, the first I, um, uh, iPhone, that globe image, you know, that default globe image on the iPhone, that is a composite image. That is not an actual picture of the Earth, and everybody admits that. So the question then became, all right, if that's the case, then what, why aren't there, one, why aren't there hundreds, if not thousands of, of pictures on Google? You know, why can't you just go into a NASA section? And if there's, and not only NASA, you know, let's talk about all the supposed satellites that are out there. If there's tens of thousands of satellites, there's got to be a whole bunch with HD cameras. GoPros aren't that expensive. Uh, you know, there should be a whole bunch of, of pictures out there. To that point, one of the, the first clue that I did uh, called the empty theater was something, you know, it was, it was something in the back of my head that was, that was really kind of itching and which was not only did it seem that there were no, you know, uh, in the, in the real world that there were no pictures of the earth from space, but there had never been a Hollywood movie. And to this day that has never been done that has actually covered a real world Types, you know, a documentary type style, or or even a, based on a true story style of some, you know, of the space program landing on the moon, and and that was unbelievable to me because from a Hollywood standpoint, as we all know, Hollywood makes a lot of crap, and they make remakes of everything. You know, there's there's movies that are made by Invasion of the Body Snatchers, been remade four, four times. And uh, there's never been a movie of the moon. And so for that, for me, was really casting doubt and, and the influence of NASA. Whereas, you know, they won't even let the fictional world talk about the moon missions, you know, try to portray it because uh, it's, it hits too close to home. I'm sorry, too close to home. Mm. So that, that was the initial clue that I did. And I know not a lot of people talk about it, but for me, it was like putting that out there. It was like, you know, that, you know, things that make you go, hmm, that, that's what I put that out there. That's really interesting because a couple of things that you pointed out, yeah. uh, first off, you have this guy that's out there, Matthew Boylan, yep. who was, uh, he's a realist painter. He was supposedly hired by NASA to do some, uh, you know, image work. And yep. he has this lecture out there that you can find on YouTube and stuff. And, you know, he shows uh, you know, he puts up two pictures and he asks the audience, is this a painting or a picture? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the audience can't tell. And it's one of those things where it makes you just question like, okay, even the pictures that are supposedly real, 
how do we really know? We just have to trust that it's real, you know? So exactly. Yeah. There's no, you know, it, the, the space program, the space world is really militarized. Yeah. There are two companies out there, you know, SpaceX and uh, Virgin airlines. They're, you know, they're trying to do their own private space programs, but they're running into huge, huge hurdles and delays and problems. And, uh, you know, that's no accident in my opinion it's you know it because you wouldn't want to let these guys go too far right but, but we can get into that later right the hollywood thing too is is also interesting because uh you know obviously you pointed out a bunch of stuff and you said i think in the clues you mentioned that there was one film that sort of it was like a, a, a you know it was a movie that was three hours long that didn't really answer oh yeah, any yeah, questions. yeah yeah the um the, the there's only been two in fact in hollywood there's only remember this is supposedly the the biggest achievement in mankind and there's only been two movies that even have scratched the surface the first was the right stuff in 1983 which was 11 years after the end of the apollo missions it was three and a half three hours and 12 minutes long and it didn't even it barely even got to the earth orbit missions and you're thinking oh, okay well there'll be a sequel sequel never happened uh and then there was a big gap uh, from 1983 till 1995 when uh, Apollo 13 came out. And Apollo 13, the entire movie was set inside a capsule that never set down on the moon. Right. And then after 1995, nothing, nothing in Hollywood ever touched it with the exception of the Tom Hanks from the Earth to the Moon. I think it was Showtime or HBO. Uh, and uh, forgive me because I, I didn't remember that one. But it was, you know, that kind of touched on it a little bit, but there's been no... Hollywood movie made ever. And it, I cannot believe I'm the only one on YouTube, you know, because the internet hive mind misses nothing and nobody else <laughs> has talked about this. It's just, but, but that's because we've got so many other movies in the fictional world, you know, like Red Planet, like 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, like Solaris and all the others that reinforce the globe and the space program through association. Right. So, so nobody thinks about it. So when you ask people, say, hey, remember that movie about the moon? They'll, get, they'll first, they'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, really? Which was it? They go, um, um, they don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that's, that's weird too, because just recently the movie interstellar, uh, there's a premise there that, that the world is under the, you know, it's a near future and the world is under the impression that we never went to the moon. And we actually just had an episode on that topic, but you know, I find it interesting too, just to throw this in there, there's a red hot chili pepper song with the lyrics. Uh, I think it was off the album, Californication. Uh, there's a line, space may be the final frontier, but it's made in a Hollywood basement. And uh, yeah, that could yeah, be yeah. true. So, yeah, somebody sent that to me. Yeah, that's ex- really excellent. on top of the song lyrics today, guys. Hey, you know, these musicians, they uh, they know the truth, apparently. Yeah. And they, nice. they put it in the music. Yeah. All right. So anyway, but we, we, we got a bunch of clues to cover. So let me, I'll just jump forward ahead. Uh, so the bird wall was the big one, though. Uh, by number two, I was absolutely, that was my point of no return. And the bird wall covered a American explorer. His name was Admiral Richard Byrd. He was the youngest admiral in the United States uh, Navy, a, you know, American hero and a, you know, big, big time explorer. He did the North Pole in 1926 by plane. And then for whatever reason, they sent him down to the South Pole from 1928 till 1957 when he died. He, he, all his missions were in the South Pole and he did, you know, big, big missions. And he had done a whole bunch of, of missions, you know, big, big operations before 1950. And then 
it was it really it was almost like he was looking for for something and for me and i really didn't say this in the clues but i felt he was more of a point man that you know sit, call who do you want you know government secret society they knew what what he was looking for but he didn't seem to find it so he goes back to the states in 1954 and does this interview and we were so lucky to get this and it's on youtube you can look it up you know richard bird television interview uh, cbs somebody on cbs released it yeah and he comes on and he starts talking about Antarctica, you know, and, and how, how wonderful it is. And it's going to be, you know, the, this, this next great resource and how important and, and, uh, from a money standpoint, you know, he was, you could see he was hyping up all the companies, you know, he said, you know, there's a mountain range, man, a coal that could fuel the entire world. There's, there's oil, there's minerals, there's uranium. All these countries are down there. Everything's great. They're getting ready for their next mission, which, which, which occurred literally uh, less than a year after that interview uh, in 1955 called Operation Deep Freeze. He goes down there in 1955 and Operation Deep Freeze runs from 55 to 56. And whatever you know, they didn't think they found you know, before that point, that's when everything changed in 1956 because the world and it's and it's completely hidden you know the 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 levels that that things change from a government standpoint so everybody left the ice almost immediately that was you know that's a that's a big indicator you know russia england uh you know australia new zealand everybody left it you know everyone who was going to make money left the ice at the same time russia and america starts up their rocket program you know like their lives depended on it in 1957 and then by 1958, they start firing nukes straight up, both, both Russia and the United States. Now, hmm. But 1958, NASA is formed immediately. Uh, they keep firing nukes. Uh, 1959, uh, they, f they simultaneously discover. So here's what 1959 is a great year because not only do they announce NASA announces because Van Allen works for NASA na announces the Van Allen radiation belt, supposedly this super, super dangerous lethal band of radi radiation in sort of like a dome structure above the earth. And, um, at the same time, they close off Antarctica permanently. Uh, they, they form the Antarctic Treaty in 1959 and they seal off millions and millions of square miles, depending on how big you think it is, uh, from everybody, all countries. So 10 nations signed it in 1959 and every nation that became economically viable after that also had to sign it. So if you own a country and you become a tradable partner in the world, they, they throw this piece of paper in front of you. By the way, you can't go down to Antarctica and you say, well, how long? You say, ever. You, you never get to go down. And for me, that goes against so, especially in America, you know, it's that's really have, bizarre. Yeah. From a capitalist point of view, oil companies have the power, the backstage pass to everything. And you're telling me they can't even, uh, they can't even petition to go down there. Come on. It didn't make sense. Not only, not only that, but Russia and, and the United States were still, I'm sorry, Russia and England were still rebuilding from world war two. They could have used the resources. Nobody gets to go down there. So the, <laughs> So you see, so at the same time, again, you, you, you create, and I thought I was a bad move on their part. I do not believe the Van Allen radiation belts are, are real by any standpoint, but they announced in 1959. Uh, and then they seal off Antarctica in 1959. And everybody says now, because there's another treaty on top of that, it's an environmental treaty. And people go, oh, well, you know, it's because of the penguins, you know, you can't go down there because of that. And it's like, really? Because 1959 environmentalism wasn't even a word. It, right. wasn't, it wasn't even in our vocabulary. Heck, Greenpeace did, wasn't even founded until 1971. And that was, you know, a couple guys in a tie-dye shirt and a boat. No, they had no power in 1971. And so when those two things were sealed, 
off, all of a sudden you had your X and your Y axis. I'm sorry, your uh, your X and your Y axis. And I thought, all right, this it's starting to smell like structure. And that's where... What do you, it, what do you mean by that? Well, it, for me, it came down to a couple things. First off, it was like, okay, if... I, first, I had to. I was designing in my head because uh, I came from a game development background. I was like, okay, how would I build a, a flat model? And but somewhere during that, I had to say, okay, how would I hide a flat model? And one of the first things you do is you'd hide the outer edge. You know, if it was a circular outer edge or however whatever shape you want, you'd have to seal that off to where people didn't get to go there, which they did in 1959. And you'd also have to hide, you'd also have to seal off the upper edge. But since you can't do that physically with a military force, well, I mean, you can, and we'll get to that in a second. The, the, one of the first things you can do is scare people. And that is, okay, well, you know, there's a, there's a radiation layer there that's, that's so lethal that no one should ever think about going up there, which right. discourages private, private companies. Not only that, but in 1958, you create NASA, which is basically the militarization of space. So that everything, and they were the only, you know, between them and the Russians, uh, they were the only people that were going up high enough to do anything. So basically, you control the access to both the ceiling and the outer uh, and the outer edge. Which, again, as I was looking, I was going, "Yeah, that's exactly how I would do it." You know, with the limited uh, resources you had at the time. So okay. Um, now, what about now? You mentioned Admiral Byrd. Yes, and he actually has a famous mission to the North Pole. Yep. Yep, where yep, he that's found the, a hole and you yep, know, the whole found Earth theory, big, yeah. giant Nazi people. I got lucky with Admiral Byrd. <laughs> Nazi people. Well, the Nazi people stuff were um, uh, that was the Operation High Jump. We'll, we'll right. cover that later. But the Hollow Earth thing, yeah, that was from 1926, where he flew up there, and supposedly that's his big legend. You know, everyone knows he's you know he's known for the Hollow Earth theory. Most people don't know he's really known more. His body of work is is in Antarctica, but. Hmm. The hollow earth theory, which does not conflict with my model at all, uh, was that he went up there and that at the North Pole, if there is, you know, if the map is not perfectly flat, if it kind of bulges in the center, uh, you know, that he flew inside, you know, uh, an opening in the North Pole and, and supposedly went into, you know, like a journey to the center of the earth type thing where he found, you know, tropical stuff and an entire another civilization and, uh, uh, it was, it's, it's, you know, this, it's so limited the, in the information that's out there, but there's some neat stuff. If anyone's interested, you know, please look up hollow earth. You'll find some, some neat stuff on that. But yeah, actually Canary Cry Radio has an episode about hollow earth. You oh, can go you listen go. to There you go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I had read and watched and listened a lot about Admiral Byrd and never heard anything about Antarctica. I know. Um, so Neither, neither did I. And so, yeah, when I dug into it, I was like, of course it was Admiral Byrd. Who else would it be? And, okay, you know, the, so the, the summation of the Antarctica thing yeah. is that Antarctica is the outer edge of the planet or the world, I guess, whatever yeah. you call it. Yeah. And so what does a map of the world look like at this Perfect. point? Perfect. Because yeah, number three, and everything kind of built on each other when I was doing the clues. So number three is map makers. And... What that did was it laid out, it showed people what the map is of an enclosed system, what, what you know, what, what the top-down view is. And so if you look up on Wiki, and this was very interesting when I was digging into it, when you look up the Wiki list of map projections, you'll see a whole bunch of projections on there. But the one that was interesting about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way down was called the, and I hate this name, but I got to say it, is the Azimuthal Equidistant Map. And it's... Why? What is that? What? 
why is it called that? <laughs> why is it so why, 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 why are any, why, why is the map, why is our current classroom map called the Mercator? Well, it was named yeah. after a guy named Mercator. And, okay. But the azimuthal equidistant map was proposed a thousand years ago. And this is not a wiki error. You can you feel free to click on the links. Proposed a thousand years ago by a Persian scientist named Al Biruni. That's not his full name. That's that's the short version of his name. He was a scientist lived a thousand years ago when everyone knew the Earth was flat. However, what's interesting about that map is if when you look at it, it's a top-down view. Like if you're looking from the North Pole and you squished a globe into the floor, to where the the continents kind of spread out. So, uh, and in to take account into account Antarctica, you have to stretch Antarctica around the entire edge like a circle, which yeah. is very, very interesting. And the reason why that's interesting is three parts. One is it's currently used in the USGS, that's the United States Geological Survey catalog, uh, you know, for a, a, a representation of the world. Two, it is the exact map of the, the United Nations flag which was uh, completed in 1946. The only difference there between the United Nations flag, though, and this map is the United Nations flag doesn't have Antarctica on it, which is right. very, very interesting. And they also don't talk about it on their website. You know, they, they, the, the outside of the, uh, the United Nations flag, everybody knows, has that big pair of wreaths, spiky wreaths going around the outside. And it's like, okay, maybe that's what they mean. But they don't reference it. But it is also, though that map is used by the United States government, United Nations and the Flat Earth Society. If you go to Wiki Flat Earth Society, you'll see the same map. If you scroll down, it is identical to the Azimuthal map, but it is not linked. It is not called the Azimuthal map. You cannot link it back to it. And that map is considered insane. It is because they say, well, it's not literal. <laughs> All right. Well, then why are you using it for a flag? And why is the United States government using it? But so when I was going into map makers, it was like, okay, I'm finding more and more of these curious things. And for me, the United Nations flag just, it, it, it screamed out that, yeah, there were certain societies and, and government groups that knew full well ahead of time, you know, what the map, what the world looked like. But until they found it for themselves, they didn't really know, and I think they jumped the gun in 1946, you know, when they made the United Nations flag, they figured, well, we're going to find it sooner or later, and they did, you know, less than 10 years later, but, uh, but that's what Mapmakers was all about. It was a fairly short video, but uh, I, I think it got across the point, you know, another one of those head-scratcher things. Yeah, right. so, so you had proposed at some point along the way, I think in one of your interviews, yeah. that you can conduct a test to see if... Uh, if this model is actually real or not, it had something to do with uh, a couple ships going in different yeah, directions or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you explain uh, you that? Know, yeah, it was something I came up with because you know um, some of the flat Earth guys, notably Matt from the NASA channel, <coughs> he wants to take boats and you know uh, you know hike across the ice and, and go into Antarctica. It's like dude, they're never going to let you go, but that's fine. I and so I was trying to come up with a, a way that wouldn't involve you know violating any treaties. And so what you do is you take two boats. Uh, two cold weather boats, you know, can survive, you know, glancing off an iceberg without sinking. Uh, you, you have them facing in opposite directions. You start them in the exact same spot. Uh, let's, you know, pick a six, six o'clock position. Let's say if you're looking at the azimuthal map as a clock face, you put them both in the same spot. One goes clockwise. The other goes clockwise, uh, counterclockwise. And you make sure they're within binocular distance of the shore. That way, in case the GPS system starts acting weird, you still know you're on course. Well, if Antarctica is what they say it is, and it's only, you know, a little bit bigger around than, say, Australia, then those ships, you know, depending, let's say they're doing 16, 18 knots, maybe, they should meet each other in a week, 
maybe, but the disparity between <laughs> the flat, you know, the azimuthal map and the globe, as far as the, the surface, uh, the, the shoreline of Antarctica is so huge that those ships could go for technically, I think a month and not meet each other if, if that was the case. And so, yeah, you could prove it with, you know, wouldn't even take that much to do. Yeah. Two, two big ships and a whole lot of gas and maybe some re- refueling stops at some point, but it could be proved. Absolutely, I think it could. Because you wouldn't even have to to go to the point where those ships met each other. Because if they didn't meet each other in, say, two weeks, you could just pull it up and say, well, obviously, it's, it's, Antarctica is a lot bigger around than we thought. So, I mean, if my understanding is correct, Antarctica is thought to be humongous. Like, the biggest continent or well, something similar it, to it that. It depends what you look at. So, like, when you look at Google Earth, Antarctica looks a lot bigger than, but, you know, I have a globe in, in my in my place here, and Antarctica on that doesn't look that much bigger around than Australia. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, there's some perspective issues. Yeah, but when you look on Google Earth and you spin it around, it's like Antarctica looks pretty big. But anyway, the boat thing would solve it because regardless, the distance disparity would still be massive still could be proved that way because people ask me you know, can you prove it i go yeah you can prove it now right. whether or not you would be allowed to prove it before someone drone striked one of those boats that you were on <laughs> that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing but anyway um let's let's jump to clue four i mean you have uh you talk about shell beach and i'm just shell gonna let you beach. run with it yeah, Shell Beach is an inside joke. It is based on, because there are several movies out there in, in the past, and of course, if you believe in predictive programming, there's been a lot of interesting stuff recently, but Shell Beach was based on a 1998 movie called Dark City, uh, done, I think, in New Zealand or Australia, which talked about an enclosed, a very, very small enclosed world, only the size of a city, and that it was circular. And they built the buildings literally up to the edge, and they kept confusing people, altering their memories to where they didn't know they were an enclosed system. They just thought they were living in a city. And Shell Beach was a, a mythical beach that everybody had a memory of, but nobody knew how to get there. And uh, so that's where I kind of built off of it on. So I, use, I used Dark City as an example, but the one that, of course, you know, everybody relates to uh, because it, it did so well in the theaters and it was well-reviewed was The Truman Show, right. which was... You know, from a from a simulation standpoint, I was saying what can be done, and you know, the Truman Show, the the dome structure. Every, if everyone remembers the nineteen, I think it was also nineteen ninety eight. Uh, the Truman Show was less than twenty miles wide, and it went along those lines of you know, if you have a person that's born into a system like that, will they believe it? Absolutely, they would. And you know, the show because of the 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 plot twist they threw in there, he discovered that he was in a giant dome like structure. Now. What, what was interesting about that for me was, was that you didn't even, as, as you made a Truman Show bigger and bigger, you know, let's just say you expanded it to 100 miles or 500 miles or 1,000 miles, things actually from a design standpoint got easier. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to build, you know, the structure and then that'd be a lot, you know, but if that wasn't a main concern, all the little things on the inside got easier because you wouldn't need many actors. Because once people were born into the system and you had a generation or two involved, you didn't even need to, uh, you, you didn't need actors at all. Once you got to a certain size, the, the it just became self-perpetuating, which was, right. which was, which was fantastic. And I even, you know, I threw in that M night Shyamalan movie there, the village to, to prove my point. It's like, look, we can do this now without a dome. You know, you can raise kids in literally any sort of simulated environment you want. 
and they will believe it because why what because we're conditioned it's like why would anyone lie to us the same thing goes along with the globe in the classroom they are going to mm-hmm. believe the globe in the classroom because why would why would their teacher why would our parents why would anyone lie about the globe so that's what shell beach really really dug into uh and in addition you know i throw out the the weird little predictive programming stuff that's been out lately you know like the tv series under the dome you know the simpsons movie where the whole city was trapped under the dome uh the signal the city you know the city that was flying in space that was under a dome you know there's 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 a bunch of references out there that are very very interesting yeah and shows what what can be done yeah you know a lot of this stuff i mean it sounds good in theory but I'm, and again, we're, you're talking to a highly, what's, what's the word? A highly conditioned <laughs> spherical worlder here. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, how do you explain basically everything that we see in the sky, like stars and, and, uh, you know, the sun going around right, and right, right, the moon and the telescopes and the I satellites? Where are the satellites? <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, all right. I'll, I'll go backwards just a, a, a few seconds. And it's like, all right, you remember that, that part in the Truman Show where he said, cue the sun? You know, and he brought the sun up, what, three hours yeah. early? When, when it comes, and we, again, we have the technology to do this in a limited sense now. I mean, look at, look at your planetariums. Look at your, um, look at your computer games. Look at, oh, heck, if you've ever been to Disneyland, you guys are down there. Uh, look, go to the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, ride, you know yeah. that that yeah. ride is that ride is old, and you go into that one scene, and you got you know the sky. It's yeah. done beautifully, and that I is really enjoy looking over through the water and like trying really hard to see the wall. Yeah, it's like yeah, my biggest too. pastime on that ride. Me too. I love I love when that going in that ride, going into the big the big arena thing, and I was going, wow. And we got to remember that ride was built what in the fifties. Yeah, uh, it is. It is amazing what we can do, uh, even what we can do now uh, from a simulation standpoint. So to answer your question, if you could build a structure that was thousands of miles wide, if you had the technology to do that, the projection systems would put our, you know, our LED technology to shame yeah. and simulating stars from a, 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 a two and 3D point of view would not be uh, you know, would not be hard in yeah. my opinion. Now, to that effect, though, because people will ask, what about the sun and the moon? Sun and the moon are much larger objects, and they're, they're much larger in the sky. So for those in, a, in your classic enclosed world model, those are actually three-dimensional objects. Yeah. And um, Well, you, you talk about the stars or, or whatever as everything being a simulation. Yes. Now, I mean, is there... Are you suggesting there's an actual simulation happening or is there an actual sun and an actual moon and actual stars, just not as we understand them? But if, I, I don't think you're trying to say that the Illuminati has built a giant sky for us to no, look no, at. No, 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 okay. <laughs> no, no, whoever's, whoever's, whoever's painted the giant, beautiful uh, tapestry that is the, the stars and the planets, which is really just a giant clock sy- combination, you know, beautiful piece of artwork and clock system. Right. No, I, it, no, the Illuminati, no, they wish they, they had <laughs> direct control over this. This is, this is big stuff. Um, the sun it, uh, you know, in the in the enclosed model is a three dimensional projection system. I know people will say, "Well, you know," when I say, "Well, it's like a giant freaking light bulb in a cage," 
that may be too simple, too simple of an answer, but it gets their head around it. You know, it's, it's a very, very bright projection system. And the moon apparently also appears to be a projection system, which also be, seems to be having some conflicts recently with, uh, with our HD camera technology. If you, if you guys have caught it, yeah. the Yeah. I mean that the, the, the lunar waves, seven, seven, seven. Yeah. And wave. I know, I know the flat earth people come at me. They say, you know, you can't talk about him because he's not a flat earther. I'm just going, look, he has the best moon footage I've ever seen. And uh, you want to, you want to cast doubts on the moon and where we live, you know, look at that stuff. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Just along the lines of what Basil asked, you know, well, a couple things. First off, you know, they have, I guess they've done experiments or scientific experiments where they send lasers out into space and they do, you know, all kinds of infrared and different sorts of projections out there. Sure. How, you know, and then they're sort of gaining data back. How yeah. are they, how are they reading that? And then also the second question is, you know, the, the movement of the, the sun and the moon and, and just the celestial objects. Yes. Mathematically speaking, can, accommodate a spherical you know heliocentric sort of model uh, is that part of are you suggesting that that's part of a clock thing or is it just uh is that it's, part of the deception like what it's it's part of the illusion and i firmly believe and i've stated this in other other interviews but but i'll restate it here which is it is it is absolutely my belief that at one point whoever built this structure wanted us to go down the globe path the globe model path because it buys time uh, from a technology standpoint, it lets civilization act like it, it changes the, it changes the game. Meaning if you don't want people to run for the fence, and I covered that in, uh, I think it was the status quo, which is number five. So we'll kind of talk about that now. Um, wait, 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 wait. I, I'm sorry to go off track. I'm just yeah. trying to, just trying to get clear. Yeah. So you are suggesting that it is a simulation and not, uh, just the, not just nature. You mean like like a digital simulation? Yeah, I guess I'm no, just trying to no, see no, no, who's no, behind real, all this. Uh, no, a real, a real, actual contained physical world. Now, I don't want to get into the you, you know we probably shouldn't split hairs on what matter is and what it isn't. Sure, but but from because people will start losing people. Uh, no, I'm saying like a giant terrarium. You know, yes. a, a, you know, a physical terrarium. However, the terrarium that has, you know, that simulates a vast universe above it. Right. But everything down on the ground is about as real as you can get. I mean, yeah, there's still some stuff that's kind of played with, but it's, it's about as real as it can get. Holograms but aren't on the ground. Let's but put it, it is, But it is trying to trick us. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's trying okay. to trick you because you don't want, you got to get to a point in which I talked about in status quo, which was, uh, number five, which was people act differently than uh, the other creatures of the world, uh, like, you know, in an animal, animal preserve. People in an a, a, animals in an animal preserve act perfectly naturally because it's a very vast system. You know, it's hundreds of square miles and even if not thousands in some case. But if you put a human in that, eventually they're going to reach the edge. And if they reach the edge, that's when the problems start. Because people don't like being contained. Uh, we, we all know that. You know, there's a reason why jails are avoided for the most part. And to, so at one point, you have to hide the edge entirely. You, you make the bars or whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying it's a jail, but you make the edges invisible. Um, you have uh, the climate, you know, get more and more aggressively harsh once you get out to the edges. But 
the big thing is, is you create, you make them believe that the globe model is there because that way they don't even look for the edge. Because otherwise, if that map, if that flat map was still around even a couple hundred years ago, leaders and empires would be dedicated to try to find, you know, to, to map out their world. But if you say it's a globe, they're not going to look for it. Because right. at that point, there's, there's nothing to look for. It's like, oh, we'll just go in circles and circles and nothing ever is going to happen because it's a globe. Yeah. And, uh, and that, I feel, I feel that, was good, that was a natural process that was supposed to be discovered at a certain point. And the authority, you know, if you want to call it, you know, the, the super rich or the governments or royalty or, you know, the Illuminati or whoever you want. At that point, they decided to keep it going artificially. Uh, I think even they didn't know for sure because they didn't even have the technology to see it for themselves. But in 1956, all that changed. And then they made the decision. It's like, you know what? Let's just keep things, you know, the status quo. We're not going to change it. We're not going to give uh, any power back to religion. We're not going to, you know, let people develop spiritually. We're going to keep this going as long as we can. Right. Okay. You actually outline in that status quo video, you sort of project on how things would play out. Uh, yeah. In your perspective, can you sort of share with us? What yeah, yeah. Initially, I had thought, and, and I, I kind of tempered that by the time I got to number 10, Hiding God, which was, I talked about how, if you're coming from a government science background, you know, the people that are discovering this, what happens when, because all the religions of the world, you know, the big five, uh, but all of them really want their their version of the Holy Grail. And what if they had the, you know, because everybody's looking for that mystical object, you know, that, that object that can solidifies spiritual faith. What if everybody got that object at the same time? Well, governments wouldn't necessarily be in trouble. Not, not then, but science would, would, you know, might, might take it on the chops for a while. And even though I think the authority in question would be able to recover, it would take some years to do, and there'd be, have to be a lot of retooling. I don't think they want to deal with it. You know, men, there's a saying, you know, men really won't, you know, are resistant to giving up power. And even if that power is just a transitional shift. And so what I was basically, it was really a warning to, to religion in general saying, look, this happens. You don't want to go down that road of, you know, science is, is the, the root of all evil. We should burn down all our universities and, and do all that. Um, but that, that would be a big concern. If you're, if you're the authority, if you're the government, are you going to roll those dice? I, I, they don't take chances like that. And so for them, even if they found the firmament, you know, even if they found a structure with the handprint of God on it, that is something that would benefit them to hide yeah, and so, and to keep the status quo, which right. is why, why I did it. Now, I, I hope this isn't off track too much, but if, if we're on a flat earth or yeah. a, you know, whatever you want to call it, Truman what's, <laughs> Truman Show, what's underneath it? Excellent. Like what, in, in what space is this being, and, you know, and what that shelf I, is it sitting on? And that I talked about in um, depth perception, somewhat, but but we'll we'll talk about this now. The um, what it's sitting on, and a lot of people have asked me, you know, one one how thick would it have to be? And so when I when I went to depth perception, I went into the basic layout. I reviewed. It's like okay, you know, take the azimuthal map, continents in the center, saltwater ocean uh, around. You know that that you know, fills everything in, which is great from an exploring standpoint because it reduces ocean exploration by like 95%. And that all that took was 3% salt solution. That's fantastic. Um, 
you take the the increasing cold on the outer edge and you know decrease in out in in uh, oxygen levels when you go up and a decrease in temperature but the enclosed world itself would also have to you know for for me it was like it was obvious that this system has been used for you know we're not the first people in this system by any stretch and this system probably sits on a much bigger system you know some people said well you know is it um i love how people follow the globe model it's like you know is is our world just a, a flat you know a flattish world that's sitting on top of a bigger globe that's like yeah maybe but does it doesn't have to be a globe but you know is it sitting next to a whole bunch of other globes you know in a giant you know massive structure with ice in between these circular pockets of life right. uh very very possible uh and so it yeah. has a multiverse feel to it yeah yeah and and is it and again i didn't want to get into the russian stacking doll argument but because you, know, you start to lose people you know it's like um uh, you know, are there more dimensions literally sitting on top of this one? So, you know, are we are we in a, a, a fixed, you know, circular, you know, domish system that have more domes on top? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a fascinating concept, but I I try to do it one world at a time. Do you have like a, a calculation or an idea how? Hall, you think this dome goes? I mean, you, you mentioned the Van Allen belts. That's funny you'd mention that because that is one of those point of contentions that even the even the flat Earth societies, you know, uh, the different groups disagree on in wide wide ranges. Uh, because even though the government, you could look up like high altitude nuclear explosions. So when the United States and Russia started doing their high altitude nuclear. Um, uh, tests in 1957 and they ended in, I'm sorry, 1958 and they ended at the end of 1962. They seemed for like the last two and a half years that they were just probing the, the shape of this thing, like what you were saying. And the highest ones I saw on that, I think were about 400 kilometers. So, and that would be, you know, you wouldn't need, it doesn't have to be that standard snow globe, that giant high arcing thing because the technology is really limited on the ground. You know, planes cap out at uh, 10 miles, roughly, you know, commercial aircraft. Spy planes, depending on who you talk to, maybe 20 miles. Uh, and then after that, you wouldn't need that much. So it wouldn't be a, a, like a snow globe. It'd be like a really like a shallow sports stadium. It, it, huh, it's a, right. That's a good analogy, you know, because if it's really, really wide and it's only 400 miles high, mm-hmm. that's, a pretty, that's a pretty shallow dome, but that does all you need. You know, there's so much efficiency that appears to be built into this. Why waste the space? So uh, okay. for me, for me, I'm saying 400 miles or less. There are other people that say, you know, a thousand miles. It's like, whatever. So you, you, you don't think that, um, there is an actual sort of like outer space where there is no gravity. You people, kind of float around. That's an excellent point. And people have asked me that, uh, a lot. And I say, because, because again, that reinforces the globe model. And I say, look, yeah, yeah, you could have space, but you don't need it. Right. Uh, you know, it, you could have just a giant room on the outside, or as some people have pointed out, you know, because of the, all the ice falling and the, and the stories of all the, the great floods. It's like, what, what if this dome is a sealed underwater, uh, system? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they use the Genesis thing, you know, the waters separating the waters, uh, from Genesis, uh, 1 7, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So at that point, it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, either way, I don't think it's space, whether it's an open room, or area with more pockets of this and it's a cold weather environment, whether it's an open, you know, it's a free range system, uh, you know, either, either way you could go with it. But, uh, so, yeah. so you know, I, I guess according to some 
you know, science and space foundation info, mm-hmm. low earth orbit is somewhere between 124 and 1240 miles uh, above the earth's surface, something like that. Yeah. So uh, do you think that, you know, like the international space station and stuff like that is, I mean, is it up there? Is it actually floating up there or are they? Yeah. All right. Here's your- <laughs> <laughs> she just sounded disgusted. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Ugh. There's the, the ISS, unfortunately, that's gross. The ISS, <laughs> State, uh, ISS, the International Space Station, has the footage that's been coming out of there recently is, from a production standpoint, embarrassing. It is so, the, the people, if, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, please look up ISS hoax on YouTube and watch the videos. There's, and there's three things I'll point out, you know, the three obvious ones the, from a production standpoint. And, and that this will answer your question. The, the first one is why is every shot on the ISS no bigger than a commercial jet airliner, which coincidentally is how they simulate and they, they're fully, you know, you can, you can take tours. You can do this yourself. There's private companies that do this in 727. It's called the, the vomit comet. And, you know, that where they simulate how they train astronauts in zero gravity. That's the first thing. It's like, why is, why is no section ever bigger than wider than the commercial jet airliner? It's a big space station. What, you don't have a mission control room. You don't have a bridge like in Star Trek. You can make these rooms whatever size you want. Just connect them together. Second thing is, why are there no hatches between the sections? <laughs> this is like a <laughs> submarine, all right? There should be doors between all these sections. And when you see them flying around and they do it really, really quick because it's limited time and simulated gravity, why are there no hatches? You know, you, you, you if what you're saying there is there's no safety backup, you get a single micrometeor. If you believe in this whole space thing, micrometeor, that whole station is doomed. If you have no hatches and people are just, you, you should be in a spacesuit at all times. Right. Mm. The third one, the part that just sunk, you know, and everybody can see this is, you know, just look up permed hair. The women at one point they decided, you know, during the simulation, they were going to perm their hair, the ones with long hair and let them, you know, do interviews. And it's horrible. It, it is, it is, it is so awful. And it was the least, you know, it's like what you couldn't pull the hair back. Uh, you couldn't make them wear a hat. You couldn't make them cut their hair. In fact, the, the, the brunette lady, uh, who was called Medusa in one of those hoax videos, uh, <laughs> she actually cut her hair just a, like a month ago you know, cut it real short because I'm sure they said, you know, because hers looked the worst of all because they didn't perm up the way, you know, it looked like snakes. But it, that's to, to make it simulate low gravity or something? Yeah. Yeah. Well, or no gravity. Have and it the be reason, bouncy? Well, it'd be a the, great hair commercial. The, the problem they had with that, and I know why they did it. I, you know, not, not why they perm the hair, but I know why they, you know, the, again, that was the last option should, they should have chosen. The reason is, is if you look on the, the normal flight simulators, those 727 simulators with women, is because it's kind of like underwater where a woman's head will move one way or the other and then the hair will follow like a trailer. So you right. can kind of, fi- you can, it's like, wait, why did she move to the left so suddenly? Why did she move to the right? And that's part of the question. It's like the ISS should be the most stable place ever. And yet there's these weird little gravity jostles where all of a sudden it's like the whole place is being bumped. And we, you know, if you, if you follow it, it's like, well, yeah, it's turbulence because they're in a freaking plane uh, because you can't see turbulence, you know, even right. with our, our advanced technology anyway. So oh, to answer your point, when it comes to satellites and anything that's up there, it's like, okay, if we have the technology to do the ISS and fine, you know, if you say you can see the ISS in a telescope, fantastic. Why are they faking people up there? 
why do you have to do that? You know, why not just make it real? You know, why, why fake it? And if you're faking that, how in the world can I trust any satellites? In fact, anything above spy planes, it, in my opinion, I have, I have huge doubts. Right. And actually, I think I've seen, uh, I don't know about the specific ones you mentioned, but I've seen uh, footage from the, allegedly the ISS or something, you know, something in, in low Earth orbit. And yeah. the guy says something to the effect of like, well, we're flying over Boston or something like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a girl. It was a girl. I think I know what you're talking about. A guy probably did it too, but there was a girl that they were doing like a, like a morning show, you know, like a live thing. And, and she said, actually said where they were, where they were calling from, you know, right, where they, right. it's like, really? Yeah, that was pretty you know, <laughs> It's like, and who doesn't edit that out? <laughs> why would you, why in the world would you let, I mean, honest to God, the director from that should just be fired, just <laughs> fired outward. I just, I just, it's really awful. Now, now just before we continue on with the clues though, how do you think that, I mean, do these people know that they're lying to the world? I mean, what, like, I don't know. I, I think they don't, they don't know why okay. they're lying. It's not that serious. Um, meaning, uh, the, the original astronauts, the, you know, the, the Apollo astronauts, I think were kind of like the Capricorn one guys where they had to let them in on it. It's like, okay, here's the deal. You know, you're not going up there. We knew you wanted to be heroes and, and they were, they were going to be, you know, that's why they signed up. But the, and most of them were on board. A couple weren't, they're not with us anymore. Yeah. And, um, but when it comes to all the new people, they're just air force employees. You know, they just sign a non-disclosure agreement. They don't even have the right to ask why. So it's like, look, you're going to go up here. You're going to do this. You're going to say your lines and that's it. And, no, no, I have no no doubt in the world that uh, they don't know why they're doing it, but at the same time, they've signed a non-disclosure to where you know they're just going to do it and and um, they're not right. going to ask, and right. they'd be they'd be smart not to ask. Yeah, if they want to so, keep their job, yeah. Yeah. So, just while we're on the subject of satellites and things floating around, yeah, I mean, we have so much technology that allegedly relies on satellites, you know, yeah. cell phones and GPS and things yeah. like that. Like, why even tell us that they're satellites? Why not that probably like, goes into your next clue, kind of. Uh, yeah, like, a little, a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it does go into the long haul. Like, why and don't it, we just have towers or something and just well, well, that's, forget well, about satellites? You well, unfortunately, once you start, it's that it's that tangled web syndrome, and that is once you start the lie, any technology that builds on the lie you have to perpetuate as well. And I'm sorry because there's a lot of money that's been spent and burned probably, you know, on, on stuff that isn't actually used, but the GPS system, uh, which went online, I believe in 1995, uh, in my uh, humble opinion was designed no different than NASA was designed with the sole purpose of keeping this thing about as far under wraps as you can, because one, it reinforces the, the globe model just with the title alone, you know, the global positioning system, but two, the global system, positioning system, which was designed, created, you know, by the United States military, the department of defense, uh, it is a military system. It tells you not only where you are, but where they want you to think you are. So for the most part, it works great, right? Supposedly. But do I, do I think it is involved satellites? No, no, I don't. And, and here's why. When it gets to the Southern hemisphere, uh, which what I talked about in the long haul that again, it came down to remember I was saying, you know, how would you hide something like this? There's certain rules that apply. One, the space program has to be absolutely fabricated from day one. Uh, two, there can be no actual NASA certified 
uh, photographs of the earth because you can never get that high, you know, to, to, you can never get that far away to actually take a picture. But the big one, uh, the, the one that's, it's super fun is that if you're using an azimuthal map, the map changes the dimensions of certain oceans, meaning if you're in the northern hemisphere and the azimuthal map, it's not that exaggerated because you can, even though it's really interesting, you know, like how you're flying from San Francisco, like over to Japan, you're hugging Alaska for some reason, but on, a, on an azimuthal map, it's a straight shot. On an azimuthal map, there are two, po- the two farthest points on that map are Australia and South America. And those two spots should not, they, they are exaggerated. Meaning if you tried to take on a globe, if you're flying from Australia to South America, you just go across the South Pacific. It's a 7,400 miles. It's a quick trip. Shouldn't be that big a deal at all. But if you're using a literal azimuthal map, then that ocean, South Pacific, becomes really, really stretched on the outside. So you can't take the ocean, which means you have to, you have to take a shortcut, which means you have to take a flight that doesn't make any sense on a globe. Uh, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about, try to book a flight from, say, Buenos Aires to Sydney, Australia. There's no reason why that flight should connect through Los Angeles or San Francisco. It's on a globe. It makes absolutely no sense. But on the azimuthal map, it's almost an exact straight line. And statistically speaking, that is way out there. There's no, you know, the fact that it's a straight shot may, you know, give so much more credence to that map. And that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flights that'll go, you know, to the Middle East. Uh, and then back down, you know, uh, these big triangles. But if you look at them from an azimuthal map, they're just short little dog legs. They're, they're way more efficient. Uh, so when I was looking at the long haul, that's the first thing I told people is like, look, try to get a nonstop flight in the Southern Hemisphere. And, you know, you're going to get all these connections, which is exactly what you would do. It was what I would do. And that is you have to hide the distance somehow and you have to hide the routes. So the only way to hide a route uh, you know, so you, instead of cutting across, you know, just cutting across nonstop through the middle of the map for no apparent reason, is you make these little connections that it's like, oh, we're going to pick up people. Oh, it's because it's a hub partner or an alliance partner or whatever. And that's, that's what it was. And so there was just a handful of nonstop flights in the Southern Hemisphere, it's stuff that we take, you know, for, for granted up in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, uh, let me connect to number nine, which was, you know, because I said that there was a lot of people that wrote me and said, oh yeah, you know, it's I just, people's logic just slays me. How they, they just dismissed the fact that 95% of the flights in the Southern hemisphere were connections that, right. that, that, that didn't bother them. It's like, wow, you know, there's obviously these nonstops. It's like, okay, fine. So I looked, I looked at some of these nonstops and I was looking at some of the real time GPS based, uh, uh, flight things. And one was called planefinder.net. That was, that was my favorite. And I was watching these planes. I was looking at, like, okay, how, how are they doing this? How are they hiding this? Which is why I call number nine, the magic show. And I was watching this, these planes leave South America more specifically. And as they got over water, they disappeared and they were dropped off the GPS system entirely. And their logs were also changed on the individual flights. They were changed to estimated. They were changed to approximate. I was going, wait a minute. It's a GPS system. Why is this being dropped? I was going, I get it. I get it. It was being dropped because they don't want to show you the routes. However, the people came back to me afterwards after they saw that clue. And they said, maybe it's even more serious than that. Maybe they can't cover anything in the South Hemisphere because if you're trying to hide the fact that the satellite system can't hide it, you know, physically cannot do it, yeah. then even your tower fiber optic radar stuff 
even that is stretched to the limit to where you can't do anything. And I was going, well, either way, either, yeah, either they're lying and covering it up or the system doesn't exist in, in, in the first place. Either way, it's, you know, it's, it's bad news, you know, uh, both ways, but it was, it was fascinating. So, um, the GPS system, yeah, completely in doubt. It, it hides the planes from the point, you know, when they get over water to all within an hour of their destination, then they pop back on the screen and then they're there. And I was going, yeah, that's exactly how I do it. Yeah. Because you mm. don't want people looking at the routes. Well, it can sure get me to Home Depot on time <laughs> where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, the Northern, Northern Hemisphere, not that bad. Not that bad. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I get it. I get it. I see all where right. we're going here. All right. So, um, what do you want? Well, I, but let's just go. It seems like you skipped the clue. We went I did. Uh, seven create, to nine. So creative force. Fill that in the was, gap here. That was my pick me up uh, vid, which because I had a lot of people that were emailing me and calling and saying, look, you um, you just changed us from a small spec and insignificant spec in the middle of a giant universe to like a one room apartment. And I'm getting small world syndrome. I'm going, yeah. all right, all right. That's, I, I go, one, I think it's a, it's a very nice one-room apartment. It's very intimate. So what I did was uh, Creative Force, I really talked about, um, I tried to give people kind of a, a pick-me-up story where, you know, I, I opened with the, um, even though I never said it by name, I opened with the Tower of Babel story from uh, an enclosed world. Which was very, I think it was very interesting because, you know, I, I went to Sunday school a lot yeah. and that, that story bugged me from a, from a globe standpoint because, right. you know, the Tower of Babel story, if everyone knows, you know, the tower that's supposed to reach, reach to heaven by one of the, the very old civilizations, not ours. That doesn't make any sense on a globe because one, it's not going anywhere, and two, the globe's spinning around, so it's constantly moving. Right. It's like, what the heck? But from an enclosed standpoint, like a Truman Show, that story makes a lot more sense. Right. Uh, they have purpose, they have ambition, and uh, and so I, I kind of spun it like that. And I had a lot, so many people are saying that was Babel, that was Babel you were talking about, right? It's like, yes, yes, thank you for, <laughs> for, for, for picking up on that, but. At the end, you know, I kind of delved into uh, Creative Force, delved into you know, like why something like this would be built. Yeah, and you know, I touched on the fact that humanity, for me, are our big shining light, our big uh, uh, redeeming feature seemed to be our creative force. The fact that we can create so many beautiful things. Uh, yes, there's a lot of ugliness in the world, a lot of hate, but there's so much, so much good, wonderful. Uh, beautiful, inspiring things that we create. And so that's what I was, and they, everybody's a part of that same system. Right. And uh, that's so yeah. By the time I got, in fact, it was funny because when I was making creative force, I remember thinking about the narrative as soon as I woke up and, and uh, I was getting kind of emotional. I was going, yep, absolutely. That's what I'm doing today. Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting, and this is just a little basil rant here, which is in an enclosed world, an enclosed system that would solve a lot of problems for time travel just saying, because a big problem that I've been trying to get through is time and movement are connected, and you're trying to move through time, the Earth, the globe, hypothetical globe, Earth. Moving through space. Is yeah. moving through space. So if you go back 100 years, you're just going to be floating in space where the Earth used to be, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But if it's not moving, time travel, boom, 
solved it, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You've been, we've been following my journey for time travel for like three years now. You've opened my eyes. Nice. And, and you're right. It would be um, mathematically way simpler. Yeah. Because, yeah, nothing's moving. Yeah, you don't have... Oh, my God, that takes out so many equations. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. That's great. That's the first time anyone's ever mentioned that. That's to me. That's fantastic. Boom. Yeah. Exclusive interview. <laughs> you heard it here. Time travel solved. Time travel solved by the wow. Flat Earth Theory. You know, if anyone's listening, that that from a from a physics standpoint, that is a fascinating thing because you, yeah. you could imagine like some professor listening to his podcast right now, going, "Holy smokes! Oh it's God. not you know, like it's not moving." He like crosses off like massive sections. <laughs> <on the planet. laughs> He's like, "That's it," you know. And Just that's the time last travel year. comes out like next year, yeah, <laughs> commercialized and everything. It becomes a normal part of life. Nice. Uh, okay. All right. Nice. Good. Now that Get, we got that out of the way. Nice. Now, okay. Now, okay. To I'm totally following. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally following now. Okay. But now comes the really humongous questions, which is, first of all, who? Yep. And second, why? Okay. Tell uh, me. <laughs> all right me gonna, now all right the next 20 minutes we're going to wrap up the entire meaning of life so <laughs> your dial. um and you would not i mean and, and you'd think that's a silly question and oh. a lot of people have have sent that one to me it's like who yeah. did it you know it's like it's like one if i actually knew don't you think it'd be kind of a spoiler you yeah. know to, to tell you outright um well I mean, to be honest, though, because you do you do talk about it in a way that you know that it's a simulation, and you yeah. talk in in vocabulary uh, that's you know whoever's doing this and whoever made it and what yeah. what what. Let's just we'll we'll call it your best idea. Okay, all right. I will I will go into my best idea, uh, and which you have a green light, which seg segues into hiding god because uh that's number 10 clue uh and and this you know this caught got me a little bit of uh controversy but not too much because i was really talking about because the first you have to answer that question in two parts the first part is why would you hide it and and i was really calling out whistleblowers and trying to get people to uh to see if you know to 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 branch out and look look somebody knows somebody who knows you know something about this and for me personally, you have to define what it is first, which was, you know, let's say, you know, I, I was raised in a, a very strong Christian family. And so if you go down the firmament path, and I know all the other religions have their own you know, version of this, but if you go down the, the path of the firmament, then if the firmament is actually found, let's say it is found in 1956, you know, not maybe a literal handprint of God on the wall, but at that point, you're talking about the authority hiding creation from you or evidence of not just evidence of intelligent design, but uh, evidence, you know, physical evidence of creation or the creator themselves or themselves. So when I got to create it, you know, hiding God, it was why would you, you know, why would you do this? And do you have a stake in it? And so I was really calling out to it, you know, anyone who is a spiritual person, I said, look, you, 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 this, this, you have a stake in this. <laughs> you want, if you want to know more about the meaning of life, 
you really need to know because this knowing this, having the the revelation of this come to light, if it was an enclosed system, if there is a piece of of God's handiwork out there, this will help you at least get one step closer to answering you know the the questions that we all ask ourselves and the you know before we go to sleep, which is why am I here? You know, <laughs> right. you know that that whole thing. So to to your question though, more specifically. Everything that I saw from a creator standpoint seemed to dovetail back to inspiration. And for me, it seemed to be that it it obviously was not a prison because, again, if it was a prison, it would be... Uh, uh, it'd be more more miserable. And you think, oh no, it's pretty miserable. It's like, no, actually, the world is a very, very beautiful and inspiring place. The only people that the only things that seem to be doing any damage to each other are us. You know that that stupid line from uh, Mr. Smith in the Matrix. You know that we're the only the only beings out at dawn here that don't seem to fit in with the rest of the system. Right. Um, but the world can only really be, uh, and I know this oversimplifies it. Can only really be one of three things. It can either be. Uh, or a combination of these things, either it'd be entertainment and ed- education process or confinement. Um, if it was totally entertainment, more people would be having fun and they don't seem to be. Uh, however, from an education standpoint, and I, that's what I'm really leaning towards, you know, if, if the, from a creation standpoint, the creators, you know, or, are we talking about an omnipotent creator? And I don't want to go too far into that, you know, or did, or did God subcontract this out? You know, are, are we talking, you know, this could be an education system where we are, you know, just trying to develop spiritually, you know, trying to learn more, you know, we come in knowing some things and we go out, you know, hopefully knowing more than we do now. Uh, you know, is it a part of, you know, is it a, a soul selection process? Yeah, maybe, or maybe it's just, you know, learning the ropes, you know, heck, uh, you know, I like to think that we actually volunteered for this. Right. You know, where, where this is, this is just part of something that, uh, you know, just another section of a giant journey where unfortunately we were, uh, forced to forget most of, you know, everything that was before this. And people say, oh, what are you talking about? It's like, okay, think about it this way. If you're on an amusement park ride, you know, you're mostly safe. You know, it's an amusement park ride. Everything's bolted in. You're not going to fall off, you know, for the most part. But imagine if you woke up on that amusement park ride. Right. If you woke up on a roller coaster or whatever it was, uh, yeah. and you had no memory of how you got there, you w- that changes the entire perspective because then you don't know the conditions of where you are. You may be very, very safe, but you don't know that. You know, uh, this world is is a um, it seems to be open ended, but it may not be. You know, it, it it may there may be a lot of closed systems that we just you know we aren't allowed to see. So that. <laughs> That for me is, is, you know, I try to stay on the positive side. I try not to go down the sinister, sinister side. You know, some people have said, well, you know, maybe the first people that inclo- were enclosed, this, you know, that were part of this system, maybe they were the fallen ones and they've been looking for a way to get out. And, you know, they're, they're hoping that a civilization can crack the code for them. And, you know, so that we're, you know, coming up with stuff like the atomic weapons and harp and the CERN system. And we're, you know, it's a big jailbreak movie. Right. It's, it's like, yeah, it's not bad. I could, I could actually see that being produced by somebody in Hollywood, but, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. But anyway, let me get to this though, because for me, I, I thought there was a, there was more of a message here. I think that because by the time I got to 11 souls in the system, I talked about what 
that this is the only conspiracy I can that out there that could actually be turned into something good because if it is an enclosed world and maybe this was supposed to happen eventually you know maybe maybe it's the reason why in 2015 we're getting all this traction on it if it is an enclosed system then there's a real possibility that if it is revealed to everybody at once that everybody becomes the world becomes better and i know that's it's too simple a word what i mean is is that people if they realize they're accountable for their actions, if there's a scorecard with their name on it, whether it's real or not, you know, it's that perceived uh, uh, goodness. You know, you know, why, you know but the, the, the line is, uh, fine, everyone's run a red light before, but if there's a stoplight camera on that light, you don't run it. And you say, well, why don't you run it? Well, because I might get caught. And then I say, well, why were you tr- thinking about running it in the first place? Right. Uh, the, the argument, it's the Santa Claus argument. And that is the naughty and nice list don't mean anything until you see Santa Claus in your living room eating cookies. Right. And then that all changes. And so for me, I, I, I tried to turn this into a very, very positive thing. And that was even calling out the governments and the authority themselves or the Illuminati, whoever's listening and saying, look, you will not get lynched. If someone comes forward and says, look, you're in an, you're in an enclosed system, you're in a Truman show, because even though the, the initial reaction by the public is, oh, we were absolutely going to lynch you. They can't because now they're under the, the, the accountability clause, which is, uh, you know, you, would, does any, would anyone do mal- anything malicious to anybody else if they knew there was a chance that they were being uh, graded on it? Mm. You know, and, and, uh, and, and I said, look, wars would end. Hate crimes would end. Uh, burglaries, murder. No one would, you know, except for the, you know, the psychopaths. Uh, all the bad things, you know, would you, would you kidnap anybody? You know, are you gonna, you know, unless your life depended on it, would you do anything malicious towards somebody else? And, uh, for me, the answer was no. And so it was a real, for me, it was like a real emotional journey because when I got there, it's like, look, everything can be better if, if something like this was actually, actually came out. Yeah. It would not be this horrible people running through the streets with their hands in the air, screaming, burning down buildings type of moment. Everyone would walk outside, they look up and they'd ponder uh, their their universe and themselves for hours, if not days, you know, trying to figure out what um, how to act next. Right. Well, that's that's wow. really interesting. I you know I um I pulled up uh and I'm sure you've come across this Isaiah 40 uh, verses 21 through 23, and uh, it's very interesting because uh, you know I'll just read it. It says, "Do you not know? Do you not hear?" Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and the its circle, yeah, yeah, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Yep, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings mm. the princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that sort of plays into the whole. The whole oh yeah, idea yeah. Or you, how, how, there's so many other quotes you could have in there, like um, like how many times they mention like the earth is fixed or the world is fixed, the world is immovable. Mm-hmm. You know, not that it's moving sixty thousand miles an hour through space. You know, not not that the ga- you know, not that the solar system is also moving at seventy thousand miles an hour in a corkscrew direction. You know, there's all it. There's lots of religious references. Um, especially in Christianity, you know, that, uh, that talk about how the, the world is fixed. Yeah. The circle upon the earth. Yeah. 
people say, well, you know, that could mean a globe. It's like, well, then why didn't he say globe or ball? It's not like the sphere was a complete foreign concept when that thing was written. Right. right. Actually, yeah, right. I have heard that argument that uh, they did have a word for sphere. So if they wanted to use that, they could have. But uh, yeah, absolutely, they could. Um, but let me ask you this. This is a little bit, I guess it sort of uh, ties in with everything. But it, because our show, we, uh, you know, number one, we are a Christian show. And number two, we... Uh, we dive into just the absolute crazy stuff, and and I mean this is not <laughs> out of uh, out of the realm of that. But this is not this is not the craziest, but <laughs> it's not, not it's not not the craziest. Yeah. Really. <laughs> um, but I want to a couple things. First off, uh, and we'll go one at a time. But I want to tie in your perspectives on the, for example, supernatural or metaphysical intelligences, like you know, like for example, angels or. Uh, you know, I mean, demons, ghosts, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. what, what is your opinion of that? And how does it, you know, I mean, does it shape or influence your, uh, I guess, worldview in terms of this, you know, sort of a, a enclosed world model? Everything that I have run into when it comes to that sort of concept, in fact, just about every concept is way more, way easier in an enclosed system. Uh, in fact, when it comes to, you know, angels and demons and interdimensional beings and all that, it becomes way more intimate and easier because, uh, you know, like the time travel thing, <laughs> uh, dimensional shifts become way easier in a fixed system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, if we're talking about, you know, everything from, you know, the fallen ones, you know, the angels falling from heaven or, you know, angels interacting with, uh, with, with our, our civilization, so much easier from a frequency standpoint, because you don't have to deal with anything else. Um, I, but to, to, to answer your question, I don't think anything changes as far as semantics go. I think it just becomes from a physical, tactical standpoint, a practical standpoint, it just becomes way, way easier uh, for the angels. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they don't have to worry. Um, because it, if, if nothing's moving, the frequency, it's, it's just, it's literally just like walking down a hallway, oh, you know, it's with a whole, literally easier to get. Around. Yeah. It's literally just, you know, a series of doors. Whereas before it's like, okay, you're talking about, okay, are, you know, are they, are they following the earth? Are they outside the solar system looking in? Is it, are they constantly in a geosynchronous, you know, position? It's, yeah. it, it gets trickier. Yeah. But, you know, uh, that's interesting. I never really even thought about that. Yeah. Um, or or I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one more. Um, because I don't know if you would have mentioned it, there was a, I can't remember what, which uh, chapter and verse it was, but uh, the, the, when um, the, the second coming, it always bugged me because it was like, okay, everyone on the, on the world sees the second coming at the same time. It's going, mm -hmm. well, how does that work on a globe? It's a, you know, it's like, you know, it, but on a, an enclosed system, that becomes way, way easier, you know, and then All it's right. just like, you know, everybody literally sees it at the same time. Wow. wow. Yeah. 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 That's true. Now, yeah. Go ahead. Well, okay. I mean, just it, just going with that, everybody sees it at the same time thing, yeah. and we've kind of already covered it, the simulation of the sun and yada, yeah. yada, yada, but, you know, uh, eclipses are another thing that happened. They're like, well, you can't see it if you're in America, but <laughs> if you were in China right now, you'd see an awesome eclipse. Yeah. You know, that there's, yeah. that's how it always is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, fitting that in, into an enclosed system is a little bit harder unless, oh, you know, you just... Oh. A little bit trickier. Um, solar eclipses where the moon running in front of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to run into those weird, weird, which is why I still, you know, again, flat earth guys, the purists will say, well, no, it's a two-dimensional object. It's like, look, if the moon is more of a three-dimensional object, that 
that I think is, is real where the sun and don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that the moon fits exactly in front of the sun. Right. I love that. It's like if somebody was lazy on that design. All right. I'm not saying lazy if God's <laughs> so I just think it's awfully convenient. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, that with a three dimensional member, cause the moon can move uh, both up and down, you know, uh, uh, up and down, left and right. It can, it can shift around. So yeah, you, the moon, the solar eclipses, that's fairly easy. The lunar eclipses though, that's a little trickier because it's got to be all artificial um, right. because on a, on a flat system, you, there is no earth between, there is no ball between the sun and the, and the moon. And again, uh, I think Crow triple seven did some neat stuff on the blood moon where, uh, you know, he's trying to explain, he's going, look, there's, he goes, there's, there's something wrong with the blood moon as well. You know, I'm sorry, the, the, the lunar eclipse, uh, that, uh, it, it looks artificial and I was going, yeah, it has to be artificial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He was pointing out something about, uh, the the solar eclipse and you can he was sh- talking about how you can see uh through the moon a little bit on the outer rims and stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah so. yeah yeah which is why some of the flat earth guys will say well you know it's got to be two dimensional because you could see you know partially through it i'm just going well yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be you know yeah there may be some flaws there but i still think it's a three dimensional object right right but uh, anyway right a couple more i mean i had a second part to that but even before that what has been the, I guess, the biggest challenge? Like, what, what made you, after you decided that, that, you know, we're in a closed sort of uh, flat Earth system, yeah. what made you think, uh, maybe I'm wrong, in the last, I don't know, eight to nine months or something? Um, I wasn't, uh, you mean, what convinced me, or, 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 or what, do I have doubts well, now? Is, is there still a challenge? What is, was yeah. the biggest, oh, oh, biggest oh, challenge for you personally? Not as... You know, coming from a game background, I find it's actually getting it's getting easier. Where you deal, where you deal in, <laughs> I don't know, fake realities or closed systems. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because people will bring up, you know, the uh, um, the the altering of the drains, you know, the the northern versus southern hemisphere. And right. for me, you know, from a gaming standpoint, that's you know just gravity wells using some sort of molecular magnetism and reversing the torque. I know that <laughs> sounds a little scientific. But it's it's not it's not hard from a from we can do this now in simulations. Um, when it comes to meteors, people ask me meteor questions oh all the time. I'm going look, that's easy. Just introduce you know a piece of metal at speed you know from yeah. from above and uh, you know like a rifle bullet and firing. Make sure you know the angle's not too shallow. Make sure you don't hit any population centers like that close call uh, in Russia. Was it last year or two yeah, years ago? Yeah, yeah. And there's years, a neat yeah. little video of of like supposedly a UFO coming in at the last minute and blowing that you know intervening. I was going well, yeah, because somebody screwed up on that. You know, if if that was the case. Um, uh, and when it comes to the sky, because people say, well, you know what you see in stars and, you know, different parts of different parts of the world is going, look, from a programming instance standpoint, we do that, literally do that all the time. In fact, that's that's almost required uh, in just about any any game that's built now. Um, so, yeah, there's it's for me, it's gotten easier because I've had because everyone's thrown in these questions and I've gotten I've never gotten to a point, though, if that's what you're asking, where I've said a, a stickler or I said, you know what? That, you know, because that's how I started. I started to debunk, that's how I started down this road. It was like, I'm just going to debunk this because there's no way I'm going to get over all the hurdles. There's no way I'm going to do it. It's obvious. It's ridiculous and ludicrous. And, and, uh, but as that's why, as you know, I chewed on it for more and more months, I was going, there's got to be something that I can't get around. And there was nothing. To the point where now it's like, okay, all we really need is to literally by the time I got to number 10 and 11, I was like calling out the government saying, look, 
the jig's up. I've got this. (laughs) I I already know what you guys are doing. And I don't think, honestly, I do not think this was supposed to be kept a secret forever. Um, You know, from even from their standpoint, I think, you know, if they wanted to stop, you know, because people said, you know, won't they do like a staged event or something really big or start a world wars, you know, to keep people from learning. I was going, yeah, maybe, but maybe they'll do the right thing. You know, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll change the world for the better. And, you know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to every time I hear a, a, a rejection or maybe a challenge, it's usually centered around, um, you know, I've been in airplanes. I've, uh, I've, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, uh, I know a guy in NASA. I know, you know, it's, it's never, it's never like, um, I, I don't know. I, I tend to see that it's never really a, a thorough addressing of some of the points you bring up and maybe yeah. in time there'll be something that makes us go, Oh, well, that's a good point. Uh, but uh, in general, I've seen that it's mostly, you know, oh, yeah, how yeah. dare like, you, you, I, I have a brother in NASA and, oh, and yeah, yeah. You know, like, that kind of thing. like when, when NASA called up uh, uh, ground zero yeah, and you know, NASA calling up ground zero after I'm off the air and saying, I can assure you it's round. And I, I was thinking, <laughs> oh man, you guys were so lucky. I was not on the air at that point because yeah, I would have just come after you. It's like really because that I, I feel so much better now. It's, yeah. it's like well, I can absolutely assure you. And let me throw in one more thing. Yeah, I know you ran out of time, but um, which was um, the the point where I, I, in fact, I found this during my journey. Where if you look up uh, on on Google, you can look up third party evidence of Apollo moon landings. And NASA has gotten so slapped around, you know, re, you know, because the internet's just been just shredding them. They have they have no chance from the internet hive mind that they opened up a secondary wiki section called third party evidence of Apollo moon landings, and literally it says at the top, uh, you know, third party confirmation that is not NASA or the U.S. government, and so it's basically saying, don't take our word for it. <laughs> Here's other people, other countries that will vouch that we went for the to the moon, and you look through it, and it's horrible. They're just, you know, it's it's they're not confirming anything. It's like really, this is what it's come to, right? Yeah, and uh, I feel bad for NASA, but at the same time, look, you guys had a good run, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good, good sixty years, but it's time, guys, because at this funny. point, nobody's uh, nobody's buying it anymore. I mean, seriously, I think anybody under under twenty five is pretty much going, oh yeah. They're just, yeah, it's, that's, a, it's, that's an interesting one. We had, you know, Buzz Aldrin recently come out and, and say, we need to get, get to Mars. And I mean, oh, there's, there's all kinds of stuff oh, like that going on. Yeah. 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 Which, which reminds me, um, that is one thing that people got to remember. And that is NASA is the only organization. There is no government organization. There is no private enterprise that releases stories on such a clockwork pace as NASA does every single month. They release stories that make them seem more relevant. Right. Uh, to the point, it's like, we've got this probe going out, which means you're on a globe. We've got, we're going to do a new mission, which you're on a globe. You know, uh, there's a face on Mars. There's a weird thing on Saturn. Look at these pictures we did from Hubble. They do it so regularly to the point where it was that reality show thing. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to put people, we're going to send people to Mars in 2024. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not because you can't, the, the technology, the, the hive mind detection technology keeps pace with with nasa to the point now where uh they they wouldn't dare they wouldn't dare fake anything like that now they couldn't it would it would be horrible look right. at go to moviemistakes.com and then tell me you're going to do that <laughs> it's never going to happen yeah 
uh, one last question. And, yep. and again, uh, we, our audience is mostly from a Christian worldview yeah. and, and I would like to know, since you said you were brought up in that faith and, and I don't know where you stand on it now, but what does yeah. the, the person who was Jesus and what he represented, what does that do for you with, in light of all of this? I can't wait to meet him. How's <laughs> that? Because I have a lot of design questions. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to this, uh, really, and I know that sounds, it sounds, well, you know, you don't talk to Jesus about, you know, you know, blueprints. And it's like, well, it, it, no, I, I think that's a very fair question because I think he's tired of, of, of hearing the, you know, the divine questions. I, I think he'd like to talk shop in some cases. And in this case, that's, that's what I, I fully intend to do. I know it's going to sound totally geeky. It'll probably just wave me off. That's funny. Well, he's uh, the carpenter. But, yeah. There you, there you go. Yeah. Just yeah. geek out a little bit about. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so how, how in the world did you come up with a jet stream, you know, routine? It's like, it's fantastic. Cause you know, it's, it, for me, it's it, from a technical point of view, it's a, it becomes more and more uh, awe-inspiring. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, you think that when you break it down, it becomes less inspiring. It's like, no, it becomes more because there's so much detail uh, involved that uh, it's, it's, it's very humbling. Fascinating. Wow. Well, you know what? I can tell you, I, I'm not going to say I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that I didn't convince you in an hour? <laughs> not going to go that far. But I will say that it is very, very fascinating, very interesting. And really brings a whole new perspective that, you know, the early conditioning and, and everything, honestly, just wouldn't even allow for. Yeah. Um, when you walk outside, the next time you walk out there, just keep this conversation in mind and it will. It's kind of blowing my it, mind. A it bit. will trip you out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there any last words that you would like to share with the, this flat world that we're on? Yeah. Before we sign off. Yeah. Um, uh, ties into the last clue souls in the system, which is, uh, really, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I think there's some guidelines and rules to the world, but for me, there's, there's really just one. And that is, uh, treat others better than you treat yourself. Boom. world would be a better place. Boom. There it is. Everybody flat or round, go ahead and do it. Um, well, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And oh, hopefully my pleasure. That- I know you've been going on uh, some shows all over the place here, but we appreciate you taking some time out. Yeah. Um, next time, we'll try to get you a little earlier so we can get <laughs> you before everybody else. <laughs> Sorry. And geez. I, again, it's only been eight weeks. And so, yeah, it's been a wild, interesting ride so far. Okay. We'll call us first next time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, there you go. Mark Sargent, everybody. Where can they find your uh, stuff? Easy enough. Uh, just Google Flat Earth Clues. Three words. You don't have to do yeah. anything else. It'll and take you're you. you're just the one. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm the only guy. Nobody's trademarked it yet. Watch somebody do it and not be me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for coming on the show. Everybody, check out his stuff. And uh, when you've got more, we'll have you back on, buddy. Thanks, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. All right, so there you go, everybody. Um, Make sure to scoop up your brains and slide it back into your ears as they've been melting out this past hour and a half. I'm picturing everyone's uh, earth just just pancaked right now. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's crumpling it up into a ball to to go back to... Yeah.
Um, yeah, so, you know, very interesting stuff. And like you said, guns at the top there. It's just kind of, you know, just something to get you thinking. Definitely probably the most anti-conditioning that I've ever sort of experienced. But, you know, there you go. Something to take a look at when you're uh, supposed to be working at your desk. Um, so or driving, out, or driving, driving. Or whatever. do yeah. some more stuff all right i want to say hello to Raphael in new york state Raphael. yes i don't know new some york. guy some guy named Raphael. new york is listening uh, to this on the other side of this flat country yes yes you're just a stone's throw away um there you go everybody anyways i hope you're still listening right now because we're gonna share with you how you can support canary cry radio yeah, go to canarycryradio.com. You can click on the support tab there. You can make a one-time donation in any amount. Or if you're just like really looking to support on a monthly basis, you can also uh, do that there. And it just happens automatically. It's great. You don't have to think about it. It's just there. And you're helping us stay on the air, the internet, wherever. All right. What else? Anything, Gons? We have the hundredth episode coming up. <laughs> <laughs> we keep plugging this, <laughs> and uh, we we have some some uh, peripheral ideas of what we're going to do. So stay tuned for that, and there'll probably be some sort of announcement of what it encompasses in the next couple episodes. I would assume, right? Metal? Yep. Yeah, sure. And it might involve more people than yeah. It'll be a party. Think yeah. it'll be a party. So get ready. Put on your party pants, everybody. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. That is a terrible ending. You need to end it right. Oh, I thought I already did that. No. Oh, okay. You need to end it properly or, right. or we're going to get hate mail. <laughs> Not just goodbye. <laughs> Not goodbye. <laughs> the only episode. Bye. Um, yeah, so there you go. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. This is gone. Basil doesn't know I'm doing this, but this is just a little extra gem for anyone that's still listening. Now, first off, I know this topic was probably pretty heavy, pretty confusing, maybe even ridiculous sounding to some of you, but I do want to say that there's a lot of drama in the sort of conspiracy world right now. 
concerning this topic of flat earth and there's been a handful of people that have come seemingly out of the blue and started talking about this making videos on youtube and whatnot and mark our guest on this episode has actually been accused of being a shill and i expect the best in people so i'm not calling mark a shill i'm really not but i do want to share some other views of the flat earth model that are out there and this comes from a guy named matt boyland i referenced him in the episode early on but his model of the flat earth is different and the biggest difference with his model and mark's model that he explained in the episode is that he believes there are no boundaries. In other words, he believes that this dome-shaped model that Mark is pushing and a couple others have different sort of models that they're pushing, he believes that that model that's being pushed is disinformation to keep us contained within this section, if you will, of the flat earth. And I know it kind of sounds nutty, but I, I do want to share it because I found it compelling. And I'll leave links to the NASA channel on YouTube, which is Matt Boylan's YouTube channel, where uh, I got some of this information and I wanted to share it with you before the end of this episode, just as sort of an extra little tidbit. But according to Matt Boylan, and I guess it's not Matt, it's math, like numbers, math, Boylan. Anyway, according to him, the ice sheet of the Antarctic that surrounds the current Earth, as we understand it, it's still flat. He promotes the idea that it's flat, but he believes that there are other land masses on the other side of the large ice sheet. And he wants to do this expedition, basically, where he goes straight across the ice sheet into this other landmass, and he believes it's Atlantis or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But he, if I'm not mistaken, believes that the flatness of the universe, so to speak, extends either infinitely or much larger than simply the Earth that we know it. And he believes also that there's a sky and space and, and you know, that sort of thing. So it's a little bit different from the enclosed model. And what Math Boylan is suggesting is that the reason why there are people coming out with this enclosed flat earth model is because the elite know that there are other land masses on the other side of the ice sheet. And what they want to do is pretty much leave this land mass, if you will, or this earth mass, if you want to call it that, and go to this other place. And effectively, he's saying that they want to create this world as an enclosed, controlled android world. And this gets into just crazy conspiracy on top of crazy conspiracy. And I'm not even suggesting that it's true. I'm just presenting another viewpoint. And so if we can get Math Boylan on Canary Cry Radio, I would love to do that. We'll see. Uh, we'll reach out to him and whatnot. But uh, I do want to throw that out there. And there's another guy named Eric Dubay, who is also a flat earther. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on exactly what his model is, but there's a lot of stone throwing going on in the conspiracy world, everyone calling each other a shill. And so just wanted to relay that information to you, because if we are truly thinking outside the cage, then even the crazy notion that the world is flat inside a dome should be pushed. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode.